Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Toure. This week in for the amazing Danielle is our friend, Dr. Chrissy Greer, head of the political science department at Fordham University. Is that right? Yeah, at Lincoln Center. And you also have a podcast with my man, Jason Johnson. Well, Jason had to shift gears because he has a, another podcast coming out too. So we do have a podcast called What's In It For Us. It's through the GRIO. I've been doing it. Um, and this month, we're going to have all women for Women's History Month to sort of fill in. And then I also have that super wonky New York City-focused podcast with Harry Siegel uh, called FAQ NYC, where we've been interviewing mayoral candidates uh, the past few weeks to try and figure out the direction of the city. So the direction of the country, I think, was shifted a teeny-weeny bit yesterday. Maybe not, but I mean, like, Everybody's talking about Wendy Williams, like coming out and telling Dr. Oz that she's not taking the vaccine and she don't care and she doesn't trust the science. And there's been a consistently solid 30 percent of black people who have consistently told pollsters don't want to take the vaccine, don't trust it. It, it, People throw out a variety of reasons that it was rushed. Who knows what's in it? We eat McDonald's, but we wonder what's in this vaccine. Right. Um, now we want to know everything, right? Right. Now we want to know. We drink, the, we drink yak, but we don't know what's in that vaccine. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, people reference the racist history of American medicine, which I'm like, yes, granted. And then they sometimes they throw around the word Tuskegee, um, not knowing that in the Tuskegee experiment, the vaccine was withheld from people <laughs> over many decades, not, not give it to them. I mean, look, if they said, hey, Black people, you have a specific problem and here's the cure, I would be like, whoa. But this is for yeah. everybody. And the, right. the fear, the cynicism, the mistrust, the willingness to expose yourself and others who you know and others who you don't know to COVID rather than taking the vaccine I, I i don't understand and the 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 arrogance of wendy's ignorance 
I'm not taking it. I don't trust the science. I, I'm just, I'm so disappointed on so many levels. I hate it here. Well, so, so I think the arrogance of the ignorance is the theme, right? Because what really concerns me is Wendy Williams has a massive platform, not just with Black people, but with young people, with women especially. And we know that women are the leaders of their communities, no matter where we are, right? And for her to be so loud and so wrong, like loud, wrong, and strong, as your grandmother would say, right? <laughs> loud and, and wrong. And double down. When doctors are saying, you know, it's like, listen, no vaccine is perfect, right? There are margins of error, sure. However, what every single doctor who has gone to school, right, to study epidemiology, to study physiology, has said, taking this vaccine will exponentially make your life better compared to getting COVID. Yes, some people get COVID and they get chills and they're fine. Hey, guess what? There are a lot of people who get COVID and they die. Ask Herman Cain, right? Like, especially Black people. We know that it's disproportionate. So... For Wendy, it's one thing if Wendy Williams says, I'm abstaining for my own, you know, health reasons. Now, mind you know, she also has elective surgeries consistently. So, like, that's a danger in and of itself. So, like, all of a sudden, you know, you're you're scared of doctors. It's like, since when? But if she says, I'm abstaining, that's my personal responsibility. That's one thing. But you can't be an advocate for anti-vaccination when you have millions of young people, millions of women, millions of black people who listen to your every word, and you're not a doctor. The personal responsibility or the personal route, my body, my choice. I mean, look, nobody's forcing you to get the vaccine. However, we have to understand that the way vaccines work is that 90% of the community takes them, and that creates uh, uh, the barrier, right? That saves the community. If only 70 or 60% of the people take it, it's not going to be at that effective. It's not going to be effective at all. So it, right. we all have to band together against it's this. It's a collective action problem. Yes, it's this a collective This is what I teach action. the first two weeks of every intro to political science class that I've ever taught for the past 20 years. So you have free riders, people who are like, well, I'm not going to take the vaccine, but they're going to be the beneficiaries of herd immunity. But the problem is when you have too many free riders, you get a tragedy of the commons and like, all of a sudden the resources are are either destroyed or overused or, you know, overutilized. And so this is where we are, where we have someone where let's also be honest, right? Wendy Williams also has class privilege. So she's mm. speaking from a place where, you know, she actually can have people come in and out of one of her homes and mm. set things up and buy her groceries and clean her house and like do all the drive her around, whatever. She doesn't have to be on the subway. She doesn't have to be in the grocery store waiting in line. She doesn't have to go to work to clean someone else's house. Um, so there's this level when you see, especially black celebrities who are like, no, I don't believe it. It's like, well, first of all, open a book. That's one. Right. Two, you actually have more resources to talk to all the different types of doctors. And I, I put in the chat, my sister wrote an op-ed in the LA Times about vaccine hesitancy amongst black healthcare workers, people, black people who work in hospitals. And so the education process that we're doing, because like, let's also be real. like. Black people have had horrible interactions with medical professionals in the past. And yes, Tuskegee comes up, but, you know, we've had sterilizations. We've had the lead paint experiments from Johns Hopkins. We've had doctors ignore us. Serena Williams is like, hello, I'm one of the richest black women in the world. Why aren't you listening to me? You know, so like we understand. Of course not. You know, and like no one, no one trusts us. No one believes us. We get that. However, this is something where 
We have data. We are disproportionately dying. We are disproportionately hospitalized. We have pre-existing conditions. Yes, due to racism. Yes, due to all the things that this country has done to us. All those reasons should add up to the scientists. Black doctors are telling us this. They're not saying, ooh, we're, all the black people take Pfizer, all the white people take Moderna. They're not saying that. They're not saying no, that. You know, and even... On, and, we have to drill down on, on why we are getting the vaccine, we, why we are getting the coronavirus more than others, right? There's no medical reason. They're all social reasons, right? Yes, uh, social uh, reasons. We are, tend to be more these essential workers, right? These frontline workers in, in, in the in the medical field, in the hospitality field. Um, we tend to have healthcare less. We tend to live more in multi-generational homes. Um, yeah. We and- tend to live in places with worse air quality. So our, our lung capacity is already yes. at different levels. I mean, like, I mean, we also, I also think about hypertension, blood pressure issues, all, yeah, all, all those pre-existing conditions that hit us more than others. Cause of racism, partly, partly <laughs> because of racism and partly because of the fear of, medicine which comes from racism i understand that but we can't be i mean like you know you can't be stupid i mean like i joke about like i'm not going to you know pick any cotton i'd rather die of a headache because it's a funny thing to say but like if i was dying of a migraine you're damn right i would pick that little piece of cotton out of that advil out of the leave and take that shit and save my life right um right you know i drink water from a drinking fountain because you know what we have the right to do that now we are our ancestors wildest dreams and we cannot live based on like a fear based on things that happened years ago. But, you know, I think about, it's not even racialized. I think about the wedding in Maine. This is like the most frightening story to me. 107, that wedding in Maine last year, 177 people got it from the wedding. Seven people died. None of those who died attended the wedding. Mm -hmm. So your Mm -hmm. choices around this Mm -hmm. to not wear a mask, to not be safe, to not take the vaccine are affecting people who you know and people you don't know yeah, and may who never are trying see. To do, and who are trying to do the right thing, right? Like someone who ran to the grocery store with a mask on, but, you know, is, is has contracted it from someone who attended a wedding. Like they were doing the right thing, you know? And then you've got your governor of Texas who's like, you know what? Oh. We're 100% open for business. We don't care. Well, from what I like, hear, Atlanta is 100% open for business and ready to party oh, and ready to well, do their thing. All-Star I'm, game, here we come. I, I'm like, are we doing, is the All-Star game going to be a super spreader event with like big? Yes. I see I mean, listen, like, come to the club. I'm like, come to the club? Is this 2018? Two months ago. This show. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. 
Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. as part of the Pro-Democracy Podcast Coalition. The midterms are coming and it's more important than ever that we protect and fix our elections. We all know that our government is broken. Politicians spend more time working for themselves, their big donors, and their political party instead of for us. We as Americans have had enough of the corruption, partisan bickering, and gridlock. Look, I get that all the nonsense makes you want to tune out, but I'm here to tell you there's reason for hope. Our political system is broken now, but we can fix it. That's why we've partnered with Rep. Represent Us, a nonpartisan grassroots organization that has helped notch more than 160 victories to improve our elections and give power back to the voters where it belongs. Right now, until November, there are many, many ways you can get involved. Represent Us is working in cities and states to pass good government policies like ranked choice voting. And they're also recruiting folks to help staff the polls. Let's protect our elections now and for generations to come. Visit represent.us slash pod to learn more. That's represent.us slash pod. Two months ago, Bow Wow had a concert in Houston, and I can't stop talking about it. I'm like, someone has risked their lives to see little Bow Wow. What in the Not Beyonce. But here's the thing. But don't risk your life for Beyonce either. She's not thinking about you. I can understand. I can understand. No, no concert. Okay, fine. She's going to have on cute outfits and crawl on the ground. I cannot understand. Uh -uh. No. Mm -mm. No, it's not worth it. Beyonce has enough concerts that you can watch on HBO. You can watch Homecoming you know on Netflix, moves. right? You could, you could, you could do that, right? Don't risk your life for anybody. Because I was, you know, I, I was funny. I was debating with some friends. I was like, who would you risk your life to see? You know, and I was like, I so wish I would have seen Luther Vandross before he died. You know, someone was like Prince, and I was just like, but I love these people. Don't get me wrong. But would I die to see Prince? No. Would I die to see Luther Vandross? No, I mean the Prince shows are pretty epic, but I see what you're saying. The the to me the immorality of Hollywood putting epic films into theaters and thus luring us, making us say, maybe yes. I should go see John David Washington in Tenet in a big screen. It would be kind of fun. I miss doing that. Mm-hmm. Like we should not even have that option, right? Because we don't even we don't need that. Bow Wow. Because if you give be someone the option, they they're going to take it. Bow Wow should not be doing a concert. Just even uh, for him to offer that is immoral, right? The other people who are offering that is immoral. Right. We shouldn't even have that option. I don't even understand the entire exchange of the the arena the promoter the manager yes, the star everybody's saying let's also, do it nobody's nobody's saying mind. we're going to sue you for allowing mm-hmm. us to get the have the chance to get the virus but we didn't we're not even talking about like don't you have to do sound checks like all the ways even before the concert that you're interacting with people but we've also seen it's not and i'm not going to put this on the south i i won't put this on the south but like younger people in general and no, I'm actually not even going to put that on young people. Just people. Lots of folks don't know how to wear a mask. 
They mm. they think that the nose out mm. nose out is actually not wearing the mask properly, people. Mm-hmm. So I keep seeing, you know, in my neighborhood, there are a lot of brothers. Brother, a chin strap is not a mask. It's not so just right, you're like, right. It's not just young people. It's older it's people. It's not just young people. It's, just it's like, everybody. I'm it's, just covering. I'm we need covering a PSA. My mouth. I'm just covering my chin. Like mm-mm. the chin is killing me. And so the thing is, when you know, when especially when the older guys, you know, when I, if I I don't leave the house very often, but when I do, and they're like, you know, good morning, sis. I'm like, good morning, brother. Would you mind putting that mask on properly? And it's like, I can smize, as Tyra Banks has shown me, through my eyes. I have my mask on. And I'm like, put it above your nose, brother. And they're like, oh, thanks, sis. But like, I have to tell them to put it above their nose. Or the, the worst part is when they pull the mask completely off their face to talk. To talk. Sir, I can still hear I you. I can hear you. I can you. still hear you through the mask. The talking is the point. That's when you're supposed to, it's not wear the mask <laughs> yes. to get there. It's like a coat. Yes. And then I take it off when I get there. And now I'm taking but, it off to talk. I can hear you but here's fine. The thing. I saw LeBron James do it on the sidelines the other day oh while he was playing a game. He was talking to, you know, one of his they teammates and he put the mask on. So it's like, so the NBA is a farce. Like all, you know, the bubble's gone. So I think that we have fatigue. It has been almost totally. a full year. Totally. Like next week, I believe, like marks year. the the mm-hmm. year of like, where it's like, hey, sit down, mm-hmm. right? The last time I was on an airplane was March, oh, March 10th. So, and that was, you know, I had to go to a funeral and I was like, ah. Seems like some things are popping off. And then, of course, like two days later, Fordham was like, all right, everybody, <laughs> Zoom. Here's your new Zoom code. Like, don't come back. So March 6th was the last time I was in my office. March 11th was the last time I was on the subway. Like, it's been a full year. And I think some people are like, they psychologically told themselves either a year or six months or whatever they told themselves. I told myself basically, like, get through a year because you know it's going to be at least three. Like, just get your mind right. Because until we, at the time, we had no vaccine. We're looking at bad behavior left and right. We knew that we had a maniac in the White House at the time. We have these Republicans who don't believe in science. We have Black, you know, thought leaders who were saying absolute nonsense. Mm. So I, I was like, we need to buckle up. It's going to be a, a long ride. But I think some I people just have was, I didn't think fatigue. And I, I definitely why see, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, di- I didn't. And I, and, and, and I don't have the fatigue probably because i don't totally mind i mean i'm a little bored but i don't totally mind not seeing people <laughs> i needed to slow down i tell you like, this much. i needed to slow down i'm good i don't need parties i'm good but um i miss I, travel I, I, I know my wife is fatigued i know she's fatigued and she's definitely like i want to go see so and so i want to go hang out with so and so and i'm like you know there's a small group of of women who she's very close to who she's been seeing for six months and i'm like okay like but then, in like, her pod she wants to expand and expand and expand and you know this vibe of like you know she's cool right she's clean right but she's smart here's the she thing. got it i'm like you what, what? how do you know i mean so that's the thing about the pod right it's like i think a lot of people are just like just because i like tere and tere is a good person right. doesn't mean that i know everyone who tere sees exactly. you know and and, exactly. and and so that means even you just spending 30 minutes talking to somebody not me you know what i'm saying and so like listen i i have lost a friend because he broke the pod and i had to cut him off like he said you that cut him you know off he was like in, as a friend or you're like you're not friend. in the you're not in the pod no as a friend you are not my friend anymore. When this is over, we will not be talking. We are not talking now. Because when I lived with my dad, I invite, he's a, a, a close friend. I invited him to 
be in that pod with me and my family. And it was my sister, the doctor, explained what it meant to be in a pod. My dad is, at the time, was 72. My mom is 72. Um, So it was like, you know, if we're all going to be in this kind of uh, Delaware, Philadelphia pod, this is, these are the rules of the pod. And everybody agreed to the rules. Towards the end of us being in the pod, he lets me know that be- right before we entered into the pod, he broke the pod. Like, he, he broke the rules. He told you this later, that, oh, yeah, yes. earlier, before I entered, I broke it, so I really should never have joined it. And I yes. put your So two days before we risk. entered the pod, two days before we entered the pod, I completely broke it. And then didn't tell you, didn't tell your family, and then came into the pod. And so your parents, especially parents all of you, but your parents, your elderly yeah, parents. Yeah, but my, I mean, I don't care about me. Like, my parents. So... I mean, you know me well enough. And that was, you know. and you're, so friendship over. We do not talk anymore. Goodbye. We don't, you're not. Listen, I was like, maybe one day I'll come around. I'm not coming around just yet. So my family's like, listen, people make mistakes. We're healthy. But We're there's fine. a lack of honesty. And, but I, I'm that. not fine. The problem isn't the medical break. It's not like I slipped and went to the club accident. I'm sorry. I had to run to Barnes yeah. & Noble and get a book. Oh, my God. But like, you knew what was expected of you. You knew you had transgressed that and you didn't say, um, hey, I, I, I am not following the current guidelines. I should mm-hmm. probably go. And like... And with this virus, it can sort of like hang out for a while right. before it gives the symptoms. So like, you were just... So I, you know, my question was, I was like, so what if my, my dad had gotten sick? Would you have said something? Police officer shot and killed a black woman in her own home. Incident after incident year after year. Say Their Name, a podcast that focuses on the assault and killing of unarmed Black people by police and in stand-your-ground states. I'm the mother, father, sister, uncle, grandmother. We were best friends. We are humanizing these headlines, figuring out who these victims really were before the hashtags. Say Their Name. You can listen on the Acast app or wherever you get your podcasts. The other virus that I want to talk about um, with you is the virus of white people, especially <laughs> extreme white people. We had the FBI director talking about domestic extremism is metastasizing. So, yeah. hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
linking them to cancer right there. Um, yeah. One six, and we should not. <laughs> and black people about- are like, and water is wet. Mm. What else you got? Well, we should not talk about one six as a singular event because there were previous events of violence against government, against law enforcement by large groups of angry white people before that. I think about Michigan. There have been others. Perhaps we should link Gabby Giffords, uh, the shooting of her in yes. the head. Charlottesville. The, Charlottesville. Uh, you know, Pulse. Kyle Rittenhouse. I mean, like, yes. you know, what ha- what happened to Heather Hayer? Dylan Roof. Dylan. <laughs> I mean, like, so white violence, white politicized violence, people who are like, we are losing control of the country. Um, mm-hmm. They are getting in greater numbers than us because they all know in 2040, white people will not be the majority. Every white person right. knows that like off the top of their head. They know they that number. Like, about that yeah. without even It's like their it. countdown clock. Right. Their doomsday clock. And, you know, people who are. Uh, who are leaning toward that, that way of thinking are increasingly violent about the direction of the country and mm-hmm. i don't see this as anything abstract i see this as a direct and tangible threat to my life to your life mm-hmm. to the life of any because there's it's not just we're gonna go get a bunch of our friends and storm the capital there has for long for a long time there has been a, an increasing number of white supremacists who are joining police forces. And the FBI mm-hmm. talked about this over a In 2010. Ago. Yeah, over yeah. a decade ago. So, so you, the cop who pulls you over could be a proud boy, Klansman, mm-hmm. just a white supremacist sympathizer, because you don't have to actually mm-hmm. be in the group, right? It's not like you have a card and you're you're one of us now. Like, you could just be... On the Facebook chats, like, yeah, see, Kyle, I'm down. Like, what's up? And like, right. And they've been telling them, join the police force so we mm-hmm. can uh, perpetuate our dominance. And yeah, <clears throat> I, I mean, it, but you know it, who told us to about this lives. first? You know who first told us about the influx of white nationalists in law enforcement? It was our incarcerated citizens. They were the ones who were like, yo, just so you know, we are locked in these cages. With these dudes, we've seen their swastika tattoos. We've seen, you know, their their black babies with the noose around the neck. Like, that's a common corrections officer tattoo. They're like, we see really? all of this stuff. And so, yes. So our incarcerated citizens have been the ones who are like, uh, y'all got a problem. Because there's, you know, and we know that there's a, a, a link between law enforcement and people who are in the military. One of my mentees was in the military before um, coming to college. And he was just like, his his roommate, you know, would read Mein Kampf, had, you know, like the, the German swastika flag, had the Confederate flag, all types of stuff in the U.S. military. And so we know when people leave the military, many of them go straight into law enforcement. So this has been a problem. You know, the, how many reports do we need? You know, how many task force are we going to have? We get it, you know, and there's I think what's really important is there's also this global network. I mean, we're, we're focusing on the domestic part. That is what happens but like you know in germany you can't have a swastika so they have the confederate flag they understand what that means and so when you look at what happened on january 6th or you know in charlottesville there is a correlation between the confederate flag and the swastikas 
because that's a that's a global conversation, you know. So even when we travel, like blackness abroad, you know, I, I can't wait to get on a plane and go to Europe. You know, I love Europe, but it's like we also have to just protect ourselves in a widespread community. Dylan Roof had the Rhodesian flag. Like, on, what does he know? He's from a trailer park in South Carolina. How did he get, you know, sort of radicalized? So, like, clearly the internet is linking these white nationalists, not just in the United States, but across the world as well. I mean, so, the, 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 I, I think... Are you... Per, are you person? I mean, I know you stay in the house right now, but mm-hmm. are you personally afraid of perhaps violence happening to you or somebody you care about, somebody in your extended friend circle, or just the chilling effect of this wave of violence of folks saying maybe, right? Cause I think one of the lessons of 2019, uh, 2020 for me was about taking the unapologetic blackness even further. Right. And like yeah. not caring yeah. about if I make white people uncomfortable and like be fully, fully you even more than you thought you were right. before. And I, a lot of black and brown people took that message from the BLM protests and were like, yes, like we're going even further into our blackness, into our pride, into our unapologeticness about that. And this is the sort of typical response that happens. Right. History's right goes back and forth. The pendulum. Right? Right. Yeah. And so here's the pendulum swing back. And are we going to say, maybe I should chill a little bit, right? Because I don't want to get killed. I don't want people around me to get killed. Yeah. I mean, I can't live in fear and I can't live in fear of what white people are going to think. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, and the thing is, white people don't understand the capacity of white people. We do as black people. We understand what white people are capable of. Um, And I'm fundamentally aware of that. So it's like, yeah, you know, when we were pre-COVID days, right? Like, yes, Fordham Security is is hopefully on it. Like, I've had many meetings with them. You know, like, they screen my emails and have to sift out all the nonsense. Um, I do live in, you know, a city, so that makes me feel but a little bit better. But, like, let's be clear, who are January 6th was in a Black city. But some of the so, people who are tasked with protecting us are on their team. Yeah, yeah I know. But I mean, I think this is where, you know, I sort of have to just rely on like, I'm divinely protected from my, you know, by my ancestors. So like, that's, that has to be part of it. Because it's like, I can't live my life afraid to go out. I can't, you know, like, I mean, right now I don't go out much because. Yeah, wait a minute. What are you talking about? You don't go anywhere. You are afraid to go go out. But, you know, pre-COVID, I was, I was out and about. In these streets all the time. But you, um, we, we see the the impact of political speech coming yeah. down to the street with our Asian brothers and sisters right now, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And, and a solid year of anti-Asian rhetoric coming from the president, coming from uh, others on the right, linked with years of anti-Asian trust right going back mm-hmm. to pearl harbor in this country if not further yeah um and this idea forever foreigner there's some forever foreigner has led to this moment right now of this sort of explosion of violence against asian american people mm-hmm. and it's not that somebody has said get them but somebody has said open season on them this is their fault 
and we see and there won't really be repercussions all these different ways and but i think that's the thing that a lot of these white nationalists know it's like there are hardly any repercussions think about the people on january 6th i'm a vegan i can't stay in prison okay I have taken. Wait, he wasn't let out of prison for I that. Can't. He just got the meal that he wanted, but he's still in prison. He, oh, excuse me, jail actually, because no one's in prison. Correct, yet. correct. But like, there's so many who, you know, they're out on just bail, right? So it's like, yeah, I'll swing by. I mean, Kyle Rittenhouse. How many times can he break his bail, and oh they still God. won't lock him up, right? Oh or the woman God. who's just like, I have tickets to Mexico. I know I went and you know participated in an insurrection, but can I go to Mexico? And to the judge Mexico, is like, okay, of all places, right. Build the wall, but I gotta go to Mexico. I gotta, go, I gotta okay. let them come serve me. Them serving me is so exciting. You right. know, black people will forever so, talk about uh, Dylan Roof got Burger King on the way to prison. I mean, <laughs> we I live in two different real. worlds. Dylan Roof two, got a burger on the way to prison. Well, I mean, but here's the thing: it's like so. Jacob Blake gets shot in the back seven times in front of his family. Yep. You know, George Floyd gets suffocated and Orlando murdered Castillo. on camera Orlando in front of his child. They could have shot a four-year-old baby. Like, but Dylan Roof, it's like, you know, they're like, you know what? You're probably not going to be out. And you know what's disgusting? Nine people. Two things with George Floyd that are disgusting me right now. Media calling it the George Floyd, the George Floyd trial. trial. He is not on trial. Is Ooh, not the George Floyd yes, he, trial. But, it is the Derek is Chauvin trial. Make him right. famous. Right. It is right. not the George Floyd trial. But I mean, but George Floyd is on trial. Right. Because you have still, I mean, even some black journalists, you know, when when Mike Brown was murdered, it's like, well, who was that black journalist who was like, well, he's no angel. I was like, show me an angel. I mean, please did, list did, the names and email I mean, addresses of all angels walking amongst I, us. I mean, sir. Look, he it did. Did the police know that he had done X, Y, and Z right. when they detained him. No, they did no. not. They were not operating no. on, you know, there's a felon who's doing something, please respond. No. no. A person had but supposedly also, passed is, a, a counterfeit bill. Deal with that. That's all you knew. You were not executing him because he did time years ago. No, of course like, not. I mean, of we've literally not. seen. But now we see. At but now we see <laughs> the right, right, which is consistently detached from reality, right? Which is mm-hmm. so it becomes impossible to to discuss anything with yeah. them because there is no relationship to reality whatsoever. The me, the idea on the right now is George Floyd was high on fentanyl, and that's why he died. Not well, the knee to the, the neck. That cut off the blood, that cut off the air to his brain, his post-COVID recovering body. But I mean, I think that's also the thing, though. It's like what Audrey Lord said. You know, they'll kill us and and tell us that we we asked for it. You know, and we right. we enjoyed it. I mean, I think sadly the Republican Party has turned into a party where the can you reason with almost any of them? No. You know, I mean, it meet the evening of January sixth. I mean, they are swift on the talking points. You got to give them credit. They are organized in their madness and nonsensical statements. But like the evening of January 6th, the widespread talking point was this was, you know, more civil and more sane than Black Lives Matter protests that we saw all summer destroying our cities. Oh, oh, no, no, this is Antifa. That was was the initial, right? That was the immediate retort. No, no, this is Antifa. It wasn't even our flag. And not really us. It's false flag, Antifa. Oh, my God. Really? 
a whole bunch of actors coming in beating cops with Black Lives Matter flags. Right. Or Blue Lives Matter flags. I mean, so I think, but here, I go back to my original point, which is this. White people fundamentally do not understand the capacity of white people. And in order for Black people to survive and, God forbid, thrive, we have to understand white people in ways that they will never know. And I think Democrats do not understand the, the full capacity of white people. They, they see the countertop, you know, the, the integration of, like, the, the diners, and they see the pictures of Ruby Bridges going to school and the Little Rock Nine, but they don't get it. They don't get the fact that, like, a grown man would murder a child in a church. They don't get the fact that a grown man would throw rocks and spit at a six-year-old girl trying to go to school. They don't get that they would like beat a woman to a bloody pulp because she's trying to get served at you know a meal counter at a Woolworths. Like I don't think they fully they have a cognitive dissonance as to what the capacity is of people who look like them to uphold white supremacy. And until they can see it the way we see it, the way we've experienced it, the way we felt it, to have words and fists hurled at us. To say nothing, to say nothing of bullets, we're not going to move the needle forward because I think a lot of folks are like, no, they'll come around. When, when, sir? Because the Republicans are digging their heels in and dumping. They are, and it's not going to get better with the pop, the the loss of population dominance. No, I mean, even they... though apartheid systems are possible, like let's be clear, sure, we, we could still have a minority white population and Absol- have white folks absolutely. still run to the show. Like we we know what apartheid. I, 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 I don't it's, I don't assume that that twenty forty <laughs> right. means that black people will be just taking right. over Congress and well, taking and also, over businesses. Also, Teray, what we've seen though is you don't need white people for white supremacy. The same way you don't need men for patriarchy. White women and women do a great job upholding patriarchy too. So it's like you don't need, you know, black that people is such to an sort important of like point because be an anti black person. When black people talk about black people can't be racist, I understand what you mean. But also, there are plenty of black people out here who are soldiers for white supremacy, perpetuating yes. white supremacy yes. from the Candace Owens to Herschel Walker's daughter, the son to Diamond and Silk to, you know, Herman Cain. Uh, yeah. Ben Carson. I mean, there are plenty of people out here they, perpetuating they white supremacy. White supremacy is that not racism? How is that mm. not racism? Because I don't want mm. us to focus on interpersonal microaggressions. They hurt. We can wrap our heads around them. Fine. But we really need to think about the way systems function, the way white yeah. privilege and white supremacy functions to produce uh, bias to produce differences between our communities. And there are absolutely Black people who are part of perpetuating that system. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I think that there are a lot of good-meaning liberal white people who have made the change internally, right? But when it comes to changing systems, i.e. integrating their child's school, it's like, hey, that's a bridge too far. I voted for Obama. Like, look at what's going on on the Upper West Side. You know, it looks like those debates look like you're in southern Mississippi. These parents are screaming to make sure that their five-year-old doesn't go to school with a, a black kid from the projects across the street. Right. So it's like, but you voted for Obama twice and you would have voted for him a third time if you could, right? And you're just, you you're, you're the good one in your family that didn't vote for Trump. You voted for Hillary. You know, you've got all your pink hats and your knitting circles, right? We get it. But also when it comes to changing the institutions, Mm. When it comes to changing the systemic racism, all of a sudden, 
we have a hemming and hawing and a NIMBY issue, not in my backyard, right. where it's like, well, we can do that over there. Integration is great in theory, right? right? Hiring talented people of color is great in theory, but not if it's, you know, at the expense of any inconvenience for me in well, my if life. It, you know, yeah, being nice to people, being open-minded to people, giving a big tip to the doorman at yes. Christmas. And telling all of your friends about it, by the way. Oh my God, right. It's so, <laughs> that is so lovely. Uh, and being open-minded when you see new forms of dance. But then I freak out because my property... <laughs> Did you say dance? Yes, absolutely. But my property value may go down if the Jacksons move in here. So let's... Or let me... if Therese's child goes to my child's school, it's like now we have a quality conversation. I don't want the quality of education to go down. And it's like, what, because a five-year-old from the projects is going to all of a sudden bring down the quality of kindergarten? First of all, anyone who's read a single book on education knows that if you have mixed level classrooms, that's best for every child. The super smart ones get to be sort of de facto teachers. You learn by teaching. That's just the way the brain works, especially the little brain. And then young folks get sort of extra supplemental education. And why are we assuming that the black kid is actually going to be the one who's coming in with the deficit? Mm. So we're just assuming, Mm. we're assuming that Tyrone is automatically coming with the deficit. But also, like, that the and white kid is just if, the brilliant if, one. But that and if but if you're looking at Tyrone or Keisha as they will teach my child about other cultures and other right. ways of being, so they will in, enhance my child's life. Like, well, that's problematic too. I'm not mm-hmm. here to teach you and to be your mm-hmm. tour guide into like another your world so that you can feel better <laughs> about yourself. I've had some black experience because we right. met. Keisha at school and got to know her and like mm-hmm. I'm not here for you. I'm not here for you. Well, I mean, but that's why I find so fascinating about like when they've done studies of asking white people like how you know do you have a black friend and it's like forty percent of white people are like yes I have a black friend and then they the follow up question is that black friend can't be in your employ and it like drops down to like ten percent. Well, right? How many black people? Would either pick like, you if up I'm on your the, payroll, if, I'm not your would, friend. Would either pick you up from the airport or help you move. Like that's friend, right? Like would right. babysit your kid for free because we're friends. Like that's a friend. Like right. oh, but if you're paying me, of course I laugh at your jokes. No, no, we're not. if you're paying me, of course I'm no. I'm available. Right, but like that doesn't make us that's, friends. That's not the same. That's not the same. <laughs> oh my god. Such a mess. I hate it here. Thank you for listening to Democracy Ish. I'm Torre. <laughs> I'm Christina Greer. Christina Greer. What did you want to say? Dr. Christina Greer. I like what the doctor. I'm Dr. Christina Greer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it all deep. <laughs> That's my Barbara Jordan voice. <laughs> Dr. Oh. Christina Greer. Um, yeah, rest in peace to the great Vernon Jordan, who, of course, is not. Mm to Barbara Jordan, but an amazing person who just passed away, who was exuded dignity and class. I got, I had the chance to meet him once and he was a lovely person. Uh, but thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. Hopefully this country will be back next week. Yeah. Well, we're getting there.